Well, welcome. Glad you're here. If you're a, it, from the kids' zone, in some way, shape, or form, you may serve down there or uh, you are a student down there. Can you let us know you're here? Yeah, say, yeah, say, hey, I'm here. We're glad you're here with us. We love to have our uh, kiddos with us uh, in this service. In, right? Well, we are glad that the Kids Zone uh, kids are with us, and we have a wonderful opportunity this morning to, uh, to share in communion with them and together as a family. And this is so vitally important, so vitally important. Uh, that we do this as a, uh, as a reminder of uh, not only what God has done for us, but also as a reminder of who we are to one another in relationship, and we're glad for that. Would you uh, take out your Bibles, or it will be on the screen um, in a moment, and turn to Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22. If you're taking out your Bibles, we're grateful for that. If you're looking on the screen, that's awesome too. If you would stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Uh, This is uh, just a preface. This is just a small section out of a larger discourse. But it reads, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes, kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is God's word. You may be seated. So what we find is that Jesus is sitting around a table with his disciples, and they're, uh, they're processing a histor- history lesson in the moment. Uh, Maybe you remember, but if you do not remember, Passover or the Seder or Passover meal is this uh, journey that uh, Jewish families will take every year and they will sit down and what they will do is they will remember how God rescued them, had had redeemed them from slavery in Egypt. And so every year, once a year, the, the, the Jewish family or congregations would get together, and oftentimes they would do it in families, and they would have a full meal with a whole set of uh, prayers and different kinds of food they would eat, and that type of thing. So if you're wondering, wow, wait a second, what is this coming out of? It's coming around this, and Jesus is, is on his way, uh, much to the chagrin of the disciples, he's on his, on his way uh, to the cross uh, to uh, be crucified uh, by those who would take his life. Now, they're sitting around this table, 
and that just reminds me, I don't know uh, about you, but um, this question, who's coming for dinner, doesn't usually garner a lot of concern for many of us uh, at all. Um, it's just not something we deal with too often, like who's coming for dinner? What we're concerned with is uh, what are we having for dinner, right? So Juliet, if I, were to, if I were to say we're at our house, we're going to have sauerkraut and, and uh, you know, brats, uh, you know, that's generally, I'm not sure, that's generally a food that most kids would probably dive into. How about liver and onions? Oh, yeah, even the adults are kind of like, are you kidding me? That was a common one in my house, right? I mean, so the concern becomes for us less about who's coming for dinner, but hey, mom, dad, what are we having for dinner? Jesus changed this, though. He totally transformed the concern about what we are having for dinner over against uh, this idea of, you know, what we would want, like, right? I mean, you know, maybe we would want a pizza, uh, just cheese, right, for some of us. That's all we want, Claire, just cheese, yeah, maybe, yeah, right? And then some of us who are a little bit older, you know, if it's barbecue, it's good. Our, our lives live around our appetites, uh, literally our food appetites. This one's a tough one for me. Uh, this, I mean, because I'm quasi-foodie. I mean, I'll eat anything, but I'm quasi-foodie. I was with some friends the other night, and we were talking about the different kinds of food that we would eat uh, and, you know, possibly eat. And some people weren't into fish, so we started to walk into the different kinds of, uh, different kinds of ocean creatures that you could possibly eat. Anybody for octopus? Eel? Uh, squid? Mussels? Right. I mean, some of us are out, right? We're more concerned about what we're going to have than uh, what, who's going to come for dinner. Uh, I had a birthday uh, a, a few weeks ago, and um, Kathy and I are often, if we are going out to eat, uh, we often get into this conversation, like, where do you want to go? We have a regular date night, and the question comes, you know, where do you want to go to eat? And it starts out with, she'll suggest something, and I'll go, nah, I had, I, I had that for lunch. And then it'll move into other things. Now, the incredible thing about the, the card was it had two young people who began the conversation, and by the time uh, they figured out where they were or were not going to go, they were not young people anymore. Our appetites rule us. But Jesus... Jesus changed this on us. He changed this equation and changed this whole process. In fact, one would say that he often got himself into trouble because he was so focused on changing it from what you ate to who was coming. So who's coming for dinner? Who's coming for dinner? right? Jesus told us, uh, back on the appetites, Jesus told us, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? He is already telling us, hey, don't, don't worry about what you eat. Uh, but when liver is put before you, or spinach is put before you, you tend to kind of go, hmm, I'm going to worry about what I'm going to eat, 
right? The Pharisees were a, 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 a bit upset with Jesus and his disciples because they didn't wash their hands before eating. And this is what he tells them in Matthew 15, 10 through 11. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. So they were concerned about what they were, what was going in or how it was going in, whether rituals were being done. Even the disciples who had been hanging with Jesus could not grasp what was taking place, even in this. And he said, Later in Matthew 15, he said, Are you so dull? Jesus asked him. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But things that come out of the person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. What was Jesus' point? What was his whole point about living and dying and rising again? What was it all about? It was about relationship. It all centered itself about around relationships. So when rules got in the way of people, he tended to surpass them. I, don't, I didn't say that he did not do them. He surpassed them and saw how they could lead to others. So we asked the question, who's coming to dinner? The, again, Jesus got in trouble continuously, continuously with those he ate with. And not that they were coming to Jesus' house because we knew that we know that Jesus didn't even really have a house. He had home bases, but he didn't have a house. But it was who came to the table that he was sitting at that others thought were unworthy of being setting, setting at that table. In one such situation, it wasn't, just, it wasn't the Pharisees, and it wasn't the religious rulers. It was others. Like, who's coming to the table? I mean, who would you pick out? In Matthew 26, 6 through 7, it says, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper. Well, let's just stop there. Uh, now, Jesus is a ho- in the home of somebody called Simon the leper. Now, uh, we can suppose, and rightly so, that Jesus healed Simon the leper. He was no longer a leper, but even Matthew, who's writing this, wants you to know clearly that Jesus was sitting with somebody who was and had been probably healed by Jesus and was unclean by all accounts, right? He's sitting, he's at the home of Simon Leper. A woman came, in, came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Now, uh, this woman, uh, we can surmise, was not invited to the house. Uh, she saw Jesus from probably the street, the way the houses were, con- were configured. The eating was probably nearer to the street, and so she saw him and knew where he was going to be. And, and she probably was not, as we know from other 
other of the Gospels was not somebody in whom uh, others would think should be at the table. I mean, she was a woman possibly of ill repute, if you will, sexual immorality. She pours this on the head. But this is the key. It's not the, the religious leaders that are outside of Jesus and outside of the way. It's not the Pharisees or the Sadducees, those people. But it's Jesus' own. Listen, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why, why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price than the money given to the poor. That Jesus himself even kind of riled up those who were closest to him, those who had been kind of outcast themselves. Now think about this. Those who were the disciples were fishermen, tax collectors, uh, people who had not been selected for high religious duty, uh, not to follow a rabbi, and they themselves were kind of like, why would she do this? And yeah, the question comes in about the perfume, but even more so is the question about why is she doing this and why is she there? I mean, Simon the leper had been rescued by God or by Jesus. The disciples had been rescued and redeemed by him. But why would she, why would they kind of like, whoa, wait a second, what, why this? He goes on in verse 10. You can follow it in your Bibles. He says, aware of this, Jesus said, then why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Relationships, friends. Relationships. Who's at the table? The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Again, she, they know the script. They know what's going on. They have been told over and over again, and yet they have forgotten that people that they may not think should be at the table were at the the table with him I think what Jesus is really trying to get us to do throughout the gospels is ask multiple questions but this is one of the questions that I think he's asking having us ask if we desire to follow Jesus together follow Jesus together and love all people as he's called us to love them is who's not coming to dinner who's not coming to dinner I mean Jesus's invitation was to anybody who would Come. The invitation was, follow me. In Isaiah 49.6, again, not during Jesus' time, but uh, prophesied and predicted to happen before he came. Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? So this, uh, Isaiah is saying, I, you know, the Israelites will be brought back home. But he goes on, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Jesus says the table is open, if you will. God says the table is open to all who will come. Luke records this about Simeon, who holds Jesus on on his eighth day after he's born, just ritual, and he holds him in his arms, and he says this from Luke chapter 2, verses 31 and 32, for my eyes have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. Even Simeon, who is who loves God and was waiting for the revelation to be shown to him, that Jesus would be shown to him, understood that this light that he was holding in his arm was not just for a chosen people, Israel, but for the whole world. In Acts, Paul is radically transformed. This Pharisee is uh, changed from the inside out. And towards the end of Acts, we read, uh, as Paul is telling King Agrippa about Jesus, he says this, I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets, Old Testament, and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer as as the first to and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the gentiles now we don't think too much of those terminologies because we don't think in jew and gentile terminology but for somebody who uh, is a jew during this period of time and maybe even today to have somebody sit at their table who is not of their lineage and not of their beliefs and not of their way would have been revolutionary and as he speaks this he's speaking to king agrippa and grabbing his attention and saying this message that i preach is not just for those inside my tribe but for the whole world it is god's intent so who's not coming to dinner Yeah, we all want to be there. So the table's set. Let's say it's set at your house. Who's not coming to dinner? Do you have a neighbor? Kids, do you have friends in your classroom? Do we have coworkers? Who has yet to be invited to the table of the Lord? In about a 10-mile radius, there are 350,000 people who live near us of the church. 350,000, give or take. Who has not been invited to the table One of the ways that the Lord shows himself to the world around is he shows himself to the world around through the people who follow him with great desire and great devotion, with great intent. So while I ask the question, who's coming for dinner from the outside? And I think that's ultimately Jesus' desire for us because he told us in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
But I would ask the question, what about inside Ipsy Free? Who's not coming to your table? Who has yet to be invited to dine with you? To demonstrate the, the salt and light of the world to the world in care and love. See, everybody that dined at, at, at the table where Jesus was, was impacted by Jesus. He was touched by them. In fact, one of the reasons why the, that you would not eat with a sinner is that with those who were away from God, those who did not desire to do the rituals in the way that the Jewish people would want, because you thought you would get contaminated, but Jesus came and he demonstrated something vastly different, just as he already had instructed those who were listening to about the food going in. He said that it's not, it's not that you will get contaminated, but that you need to contaminate or infect the world with the kingdom. So as the table is set for us this morning, and as we take our, our time this morning in communion, I want us to consider who's, who's not at the table. Who's not at the table? Jesus' whole life was prioritized around inviting people into the kingdom, to the table, to the opportunity of seeing and being with him, to tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. John 3, 16 and 17 records this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's love gave his son so that the world would know him. Jesus invited anyone who would come to his table, to experience the kingdom. So friends, as we think about his invitation, your invitation that you have received, who is it that has been placed on your heart and your mind to invite? Would you close your eyes with me? Would you close your eyes? as the Spirit speaks to you, what name or face does he place in your mind? Who is he wanting you to invite to the table to feast and dine on life.
For some of us, maybe we have a list of people that we have been inviting to the table. We have been dining with them. We have been, uh, we have been showing them the feast that can be. But for many of us, maybe that's something that we have fallen out of practice of. That is praying for, being concerned about, and living for the redemption of those who are far from God as he was. So if the Lord has given you a name, take out your uh, handout that was given to you when you got, came in. And what I want you to do is just, I want you to take a pen and write those names down. It may be one name, it may be two names, it may be ten names. But who has the Lord placed on your heart? To invite to the table as Jesus did. To have that relationship that Jesus mended for us through his death, life, death, and resurrection on the cross. Father, we are grateful that you have set the table for us, that you invited us to the table to feast. It's it's a feast that lasts an eternity. And we're grateful for that this morning. And as we consider, Father, how you have invited us, Father, we can't help but not invite others to consider sitting at the table with us. To invite them into the place and space where they might taste your goodness, your glory, your healing, your help, your hope, we are grateful this morning. We're grateful. So we move to a time of communion. We'll walk through our liturgy, but we're going to walk through it kind of slowly. Allowing it to penetrate us and allowing the Spirit to do the work that the Spirit can only do. The table of our of our covenant maker and our keeper, Jesus is ready. Are you? Are you this morning? You ready, Michael? Good. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. You who have been here often and you who have not been here, been for a long time. You who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed. Come, come, all who truly and earnestly repent of your sins and who live in love and peace with your neighbors and who intend to lead a new life. Following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort 
and humbly kneeling, make your honest confession to Almighty God. In these next moments, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to pause after each phrase, giving you time and space to pray in that phrase to your own heart and your own life. So let's pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Take a moment. Remind yourself that he is a holy God who calls you to be holy. pray this next phrase or sentence sentences together thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven pray his will by praying this prayer you're saying i wish to participate with you god pray this next sentence give us this day our daily bread what do you need ask seek and knock ask him The next sentence in the Lord's Prayer, pray it with me. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This one's a little testy, isn't it? Because there may be a grudge in your heart, an anger, a bitterness against maybe him or others. Reconciliation that's needed. Pray into this.
let's complete the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who with great mercy has promised forgiveness to all who turn to you with hearty repentance and true faith, have mercy upon us, pardon and deliver us from our sins, make us strong and faithful in all goodness, and bring us to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let's pray together this call to confession. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Let's pause and silence for personal confession and preparation. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who gave in love your only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who by his sacrifice offered once for all, did provide a full, perfect, and sufficient atonement for the sins of the whole world. We come now to your table in obedience to your Son, Jesus Christ, who in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. Hear us, O merciful Father, we humbly ask, and grant that we, receiving this bread and this cup, as he commanded, and in the memory of his passion and death, may partake of his most blessed body and blood. In the night of his betrayal, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in like manner, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of this, all of you, for this is the my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Do this in as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. <clears throat> 